Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. We meet you today at the absolute beginning of the IPL. The action's just started and there's been no shortage of drama already. Some amazing performances, some really, really high-scoring matches. Uh, it's, it's just beginning. We've got six, eight weeks more of this, so can't wait for all of that to, to just unravel. But before we get into that, let's have a quick look around the world of international cricket with the Women's World Cup and an absolute nail-biting end to the league stages there and the West Indies win over England. And to take us through all that, here's Ayaz Mehman. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, as you mentioned, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride for uh, most teams in the Women's World Cup. Of course, the IPL, we've seen the start and it's been uh, you know high jinx, high excitement, high octane stuff already. Uh, we've had a very dramatic or shall I say a very melodramatic win for the West Indies over England in the Test Series. But uh, let's take up the Women's World Cup first. A uh, heartbreak for in the Indian women's team. They lost out very narrowly of the last ball uh, against South Africa. And had they won that match, they would be in the knockout stage, which they aren't. Uh, we've got Australia, England, South Africa and West Indies making the cut. And as we, as we speak and record this, it seems Australia are poised to enter the final They've looked the best team by far in batting and bowling. They've got a blemishless record, 100% record in the, in the tournament so far. And to me, they look like uh, firm champions. The, the comeback team, of course, has been England, losing its first few matches and then coming, in, uh, coming at, at the latter half of the league stages, winning everything. Uh, and, you know, kind of in many ways, leapfrogging over teams like uh, uh, India, New Zealand, the home country, not doing too well. South Africa... I thought has been a very good team, uh, second only to Australia. So rightly, they are in the in the semis. West Indies have been plucky. Uh, they've been ebullient. They've been very good at times. Sometimes they haven't looked so good, but they 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 reach the knockout stage, which is a, which is a good thing. But India is concerned. I think they'll be very disappointed. And I think it's not just the match against South Africa, which could have gone either way. Uh, you know, I mean, towards the closing stages. You get a wicket and the, and it's declared a no ball and then you concede a run as well as give another free delivery. But all that is, you know, is the drama around that match where India, I think, actually hurt themselves badly was in the earlier stages in the league matches where they didn't perform consistently at all. After a resounding win over uh, Pakistan in the first match, they struggled to beat New Zealand like they had done throughout in the, in the bilateral series. You know, that set them back quite badly. Uh, so, uh, there's much to learn. There's much to regret, of course. Certainly, there's a, there's a huge amount of uh, teary-eyed uh, kind of uh, sentiment revolving around or, or surrounding uh, Mithali Raj, the captain, and Julan Goswami, the fast bowler, both of whom have been such stellar performers for India over the past two decades. And it, it, in many ways, this was seen as their farewell World Cup. Uh, they haven't announced their retirement yet. But this is, I think, going to be, or this will be their farewell World Cup. And everybody thought or hoped that India could uh, reach the final and perhaps go on to win. But what do you think, Ayaz? Do you want to kind of look at also specific performances? Someone who could have done better. I mean, Mitali Raj wasn't at her best. But uh, what do you think of the performance of some of the other players? Well, I think there have been some outstanding performances. None better than Harman Preet Kaur. Uh, who, you know, a little slow to start with and she came under a lot of flack 
uh, even from former players and you know some of whom claim that she was living on past glory uh, the century made in the 2017 world cup and she hadn't matched that for a long long while but when once she picked up pace in this tournament she went from strength to strength she notched up a century she notched up a couple of half centuries in the crucial match against south africa again she was amongst the runs bowled well fielded extremely well so she's been an outstanding performer for india in this world cup so too smriti mandhana at the top of the order all class and elegance uh, she also has a century in the tournament so she's done very well snay rana is another who's done well pooja vastrakar has been a late order uh, you know fi- good finisher bowls well brilliant fielder she's an all-rounder uh, that the team will value as we go ahead she's just still relatively new uh, but obviously mithali raj not not at her best she got a couple of half centuries but not making great match winning impact julan goswami had a mixed tournament too but both of them you know really towards the fag end of their careers so i think some of the others could have perhaps been a little more impactful somebody like a deepthi sharma who been who been around for a while but all in all what emerges mr fantastic is that the talent is is, is rich you know shefali verma she is one for the future again uh, the talent is rich but i think somewhere and i i uh, you know i mentioned this earlier i watched the indian women's team in the t20 world cup final against australia in march 2020 just before the pandemic Uh, and they had done extremely well to reach the final, but they fizzled out in the final. Now somehow it seems to me that in crunch matches they are not able to cross the finishing line. You know, just fall short, and that is something that needs to be attended or needs to be addressed because obviously it's a mental it's, thing. It's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. The talent is profuse. You know, I mean, you look around and it's growing. There are more and more young girls taking to cricket, so I don't think talent is going to be an issue. but how to win matches and tournaments is really is really the key issue with the women's women's cricket team absolutely well it's it's been heartbreaking but like you said the indian team had their chances they just didn't capitalize on them experience and mental strength is what we need to work on i think uh, moving on that was exactly what was not short uh, in the west indies series against england a couple of hard fought draws for the west indies and then they just turned it around won the final test and the series and this now leaves a long gap since the england cricket team has won in the west indies i think it's what one series in the last 20 odd or 30 odd series that they've traveled to the caribbean yeah i mean it's some ridiculous stat like that i just think uh, currently in in the amongst test playing nations i think england are perhaps the worst you know i mean uh, they're just such bad tourists wherever they go they they were licked in australia they were licked in india they've lost to the west indies you know, so it's it's been a, a, a miserable i would say 15 16 months for the england team yes they had a decent performance against india at home that series is still open as we know but india is leading 2-1 uh, and then they lost at home to even new zealand so uh where england is concerned they're going through the horrors in in in, uh, in the five day format and i i think somewhere it's also very confused uh, thinking that is leading to to this state of affairs they've got a champion batsman joe root they've got ben stokes who's back in form he, he had a decent all round performance in the west indies and yet they, they can't seem to win anything and i think i mean for the life of me i can't understand why they didn't take james anderson and stuart broad to the west indies your two best bowlers fast bowlers 
I mean, I can understand rotational policy and rest and, you know, aching limbs and aging bodies. But if they are still eligible and you keep them parked at home instead of going and playing a series, uh, it, it just boggles my mind. I mean, are we, uh, am I to understand that they are being saved for the English season uh, and only that? In which case, obviously, wherever England goes overseas, they're going to get clustered, which is what has been happening. So I think there's some... I agree and I don't really see a second line being built in parallel that can fill in those massive boats. So Yeah, I mean you can keep clamoring about get rid of get rid of Joe Root and you know all the former captains Arthurton and Michael Vaughan and Nasir Hussain, they're all baying for his blood. But I mean, you know, if you've got a team which doesn't kind of measure up, what can you know a captain is ultimately as good as his team? I'm not defending Joe Root's captaincy tactics. Some of them may have been poor. But I don't think if we had got better tactics or if there was a different captain, the result could have been vastly different because it just doesn't seem to be a good enough team. Well, all the same, many congratulations to the West Indies team for what is truly a remarkable series win after having their backs to the wall for the better part of 14 of those 15 days that the series went on almost. So, well done to them. Yes, and it showed, it showed a lot of gumption from the West Indies because they hung in there. They, you know, very resolute in their defense. This is not the typical or uh, old way of West Indian cricket as they used to play, uh, which is uh, exhilarating, flamboyant batsmanship. We didn't see much of that in the series. Uh, their captain, Craig Braithwaite, led with attrition. And he was he made a lot of runs, but he took a long time making them. So we are seeing a very different approach from the West Indies, which has helped them. And one can't fault that, uh, you know, that approach. Obviously, West Indies also need fresh, interesting talent to come in. I think, uh, like, England needs some wicket-taking fast bowlers overseas. Also, spinners who can exploit slow pitches, which we didn't see. The West Indies also looking for some spin bowling options. They haven't got that. But at the end of the day, they've got a series win to boast, boast about. And I think that's, you know, that's what matters, finally. Absolutely. Well, moving on to the IPL where the action is just kicking off. Uh, we've had the first round of five matches and I think there's some very clear signals about which teams have got their combination sorted and seem all set to continue through the rest of the season. And some teams continue to struggle. I mean, the, the most standout joke of the first weekend was the fact that Mumbai again lost their opening game and it's a tradition, right? So that's a team you can never write off. But uh, looking through the first five matches, Ayaz, with these new combinations, a lot of new captains, uh, what are the five things that really stood out for you? Uh, look, I, uh, first is that we're going to see very high-scoring matches because the pitches seem to be completely flat. Uh, there's not much in it it's for, for the bowlers except hard toil. We've seen that uh, you know, scores of 200 being made, 200 being chased down. Uh, RCB uh, putting up a flop show against uh, Punjab. I mean, when I say flop show, all credit to Punjab for chasing, making 206 to win that match. So, pitches are going to play a part. Captains are going to play a part. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I thought that the most, where the captaincy factor mattered a lot was in Lucknow Super Giants versus Gujarat Titans. In the KL Rahul, uh, apart from making a duck as a batsman, which was bad enough, uh, he made a big blunder in bringing on a spinner and not using his main bowlers like Chamira, who had taken a couple of wickets, or even Avesh Khan, and allowing the batsman, Gujarat Titans batsman, the freedom to cut loose and make, you know, make those 18-20 runs in one over, which got them close to the target, which they finally overhauled. So 
captaincy is going to be a big, big influence in this in this tournament. As we know, there are 10 captains now. 10 teams are participating. Uh, and there will be a lot of onus on the captain. I thought even Sanju Samson, uh, the young Rajasthan Royals captain, did an extremely good job, especially the way he managed his fast bowlers, the way he used Trent Bolt, uh, the way he batted himself, of course. Uh, the positive approach, the the high energy we saw in the field. All these are going to be very important factors. What I've also seen, one more uh, thing which I thought I must mention here is the value of impact players is coming through. So whether it's Delhi Capitals through Akshar Patel and Lalit Yadav uh, getting past Mumbai and not just getting past Mumbai in the first match, but also I thought the defining factor in that match was Jasprit Bumrah being hit for plenty in the death overs. Now, that's hardly ever seen. And if you have players who can do that, not only does it help your team, but it also sends a signal to the rest of the batsmen in the tournament. Hey, you know, even Bumrah can be tonked around. And that's something that should bother Mumbai. But I I think more and more we are seeing these kind of players are becoming the the high-value finds uh, for, uh, for, for teams that went into the auction. On the other hand, somebody like a Nicholas Puran, who was bought for plenty by Sunrisers Hyderabad, was a flop show uh, in the match against Rajasthan. You know, he was paid, he, I think he fetched over 10 crore and he, he just couldn't get going, made a duck, uh, took up valuable time, consumed some deliveries. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on guys who were paid very big bucks because that's what we expect. Then what we expect in return is match-winning performances, which... If they're not forthcoming, then obviously the team will struggle and you yourself, as a, as a, your, your reputation suffers as a player. But I am looking forward to players like uh, high-impact players. We've seen Lucknow Supergiant had one of them in Badoni, uh, who looked a class apart. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a youngster from Delhi. I thought he made a very good half-century. You look at guys like Deepak Huda. He's not a, he's not a rookie by any stretch of imagination. He's been around in domestic cricket for a long, long while. But he's coming into his own. He's just last year, he, last season, he cracked his way into the Indian squad. And if he starts playing like the way he did, with a, with a terrific all-around performance against Gujarat Titans, then he could find a more regular place. I mean, he can be assured of a more regular place. I also thought Hardik Pandya was impressive as a captain. What was more impressive was that he bowled and batted and fielded rather well. Now, he's the all-rounder that India is missing. And there's been so much talk about Hardik Pandya, whether he's fit or not fit and whether he will be fit in time for the World T20. I think the selectors uh, will be at least, uh, he's back on their radar as an all-rounder. And that's a, that's an advancement on, on his uh, status since, you know, maybe in the last three, four months that when we saw him play last in the World T20. Uh, I think also that we'll see a lot more wrist spinners in action and wrist spinners holding the key uh, to how teams to teams perform on these pitches, which are sluggish, which may get slower and with wear and tear, they might even give a lot more turn. Now, not all of them are going to be successful necessarily. Uh, we saw Ravi Bishnoi going for plenty against Gujarat Titans, so they have to tighten up. But overall, I think wrist, wrist spinners will be uh, the kind of guy, bowlers that will be successful on such wickets, as well as uh, people like Sunil Narayan and Varun Chakravarti, which we saw uh, when KKR uh, beat defending champions CSK. CSK, of course, in the first match, below par, Ravinder Jadeja looking a little tense as captain. It showed even in his batting, took a little while. Dhoni showed some vintage form, but they were humbled by two India rejects playing for KKR, which is uh, 
Ajinkya Rahane and Umesh Yadav. One with the bat, the other with the ball. Now, of course, they were CSK. Was, and I think both had a pretty decent outing. Very, very good outing. You know, and that's really, uh, you know, their experience showed up. Uh, Umesh Yadav has actually got a very good record bowling on Indian pitches. Ajinkya Rahane uh, knows the DY Patel ground like the back of his hand. So, he really enjoyed himself there. I must say CSK missed uh, Deepak Chahar and Moin Ali. They have to do some catching up very quickly. It's been a very exciting first five days. We've, there's been a lot of big hits, lots of sixes hit and boundaries and uh, big scores. Whether this trend will continue for the duration of the tournament remains to be seen. How the pitches start behaving, say, after the first seven, eight, ten days. So, I think, but uh, the onus will be on captains. It will be on uh, risk spinners. And obviously, the special attention will be on impact players, how they play. Because the template for T20 is changing. You don't, you know, a guy who makes 45, 50 and doesn't contribute to the winning cause is not going to be the kind of player you want. I must mention here that RCB uh, were uh, had a poor start despite making 205. Virat Kohli showing some very good form. Faf Duplessis uh, batting brilliantly. But two India bowlers, Harshal Patel, and Muhammad Siraj both going for plenty. So, fast bowlers have their tasks cut out for them on these pitches. It's heartbreaking. It's going to take a lot of skill, a lot of variations, uh, you know, which they'll have to bring in. And obviously, they'll have to be supported by some really brilliant feeling. Well, if I had to ask you, you know, what was the one standout performance in the first five games? Would you be able to pick one? I would, you know, for the run chase, I would say Punjab chasing down 200 is always a stiff target to overall 200 plus runs, and they did it with a degree of comfort. Uh, so, you know, and they've got what they've got two terrific openers, Shikhar Dhawan and Mayanka Garwal, and they've got very really strong finishers in Shahrukh Khan and Odian Smith. So, you can see the value of that selection, Odian Smith. When I keep saying about the impact players, Shahrukh Khan and Odian Smith are those kind of players. So, that was a very impressive performance. The other was Rajasthan Royals. I thought they completely dominated and decimated Sunrisers Hyderabad. I'm a little worried about Sunrisers Hyderabad. They just looked like a little Bo Peep lost. You know, that team didn't look like they knew what they were doing, batting or bowling. 2022 generation of Formula 1 cars are actually providing good racing everywhere. But I'll set the backdrop of this race first. This race was happening in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, uh, of course, known for their great track record and human rights, as we're all aware of. But the funny thing that happened is that the Houthi rebels from Yemen, they, of course, have constantly targeted the infrastructure in Saudi Arabia here and again. And now because Saudi Arabia was in a shining light across the world, because Formula One was here, they thought that it was a perfect opportunity to use some missiles, not, not to just burn some firecrackers and put up a show, which Saudi Arabia themselves did at the end of the race but to actually burn down a few oil fields just 10 kilometers away from the Formula 1 circuit. And yes, missile strikes were heard, were seen, and the blasts just put up all of Jeddah in a smoke while the Formula 1 cars were racing in practice. And that is frankly ridiculous stuff, and it could have been so, so dangerous. And the drivers and the team principals together, they just sat together uh, on, on Friday evening and stayed up till 2 o'clock in the night uh, in local time, and they were just constantly discussing what should we do? Should we go back home? Should we stay? Is it safe enough to race over here? But eventually, as BBC worded out very carefully, they said that the drivers and team were convinced eventually at the end of the day to race in Saudi Arabia. This came after the disclosure of information about their safety and security if they decided not to race. That's right. They were blackmailed. They were said that if they didn't race, 
they would be kept hostages, much like the WWE superstars a couple of years ago when they came to Saudi Arabia. Uh, they apparently didn't get a payment. So the WWE didn't quite put out the show completely. They kind of pulled the plug on it like five minutes before the end. And so the Saudi Arabian authorities made them hostages at the airport for eight hours before they let them go. Imagine something like that happening to the Formula One drivers. So there's this really chaotic political backdrop coming into this. But that's enough on that, right? That's all the negative stuff. The good stuff is the drivers are going to be back home. In qualifying, Lewis Hamilton qualified 16th. For the first time since 2017, he's out in Q1. That was ridiculous. He ended up finishing P10, but the struggles are really hard for Mercedes. And you can see that Hamilton is even struggling to compete with his teammate, George Russell, who seemingly has a different setup of a car. That's why he's performing well. But a weekend to forget for him, Mick Schumacher crashed so hard in qualifying to 70 kph. And he was badly injured in the sense that he had a sore body and headaches and a lot of that stuff. So he couldn't quite race on Sunday. But that is one crash that is just a just a brutal reminder of how crazy a sport Formula 1 is and how fast it can be. But Mick is okay. He's alive. He's okay. He's not broken any bones. No concussions. Nothing like that. Just a precautionary rest, so he didn't quite race on Sunday. But on Sunday, oh my God, Sergio Perez started on pole. First time in his 215 races that he's ever taken pole. I honestly thought that he would never ever do it. But he's done that. But he lost the race. The reason being, a safety car came out right after he made his pit stop. So Sergio had to drop down to P number 3. And eventually, towards the very end, it became a duel of Leclerc versus Verstappen just like we saw in Bahrain. But this time, without any reliability issues for them. There were four other cars that failed in a matter of five minutes early on. So reliability still is a major problem in Formula 1. But it was not these two. These two fought right down to the very end. There was this lovely battle where they were constantly going wheel to wheel. And they were doing this Lucknowy thing of Pehle Aap because they don't want to be the first car before the DRS line, which means that the car behind would get a straight line advantage. So they were racing side by side until the DRS detection point came in, where they both slowed down and they both didn't want to go ahead. It was, it was really funny, really weird psychological games that were going on in the race. But eventually it was Max Verstappen who triumphed, took the win and took Red Bull's first win of the year. And in fact, Red Bull's first points of the year as well. So now the championship is heating up, even though it's just two races in. And I love it. The order was Verstappen first, Leclerc second, Carlos Sainz third, Sergio Perez fourth, and so on and so forth. With Haas getting points again, Alpine getting points with Esteban Ocon, with a really lovely tight finish with Lando Norris eventually. I love it. This, is, this was just an amazing race weekend all the way around in terms of the racing, in terms of the drama, in terms of the stories. But the big thing is, the drivers are safe and okay and they're back home. I just wonder, should Formula 1 ever go back to Saudi Arabia again? If the track is so much fun and the racing is so amazing, probably yes. But if the political backdrop is so terrible and so, let's say, blood money based, I don't think it's a good idea. But all things considered, fun weekend at the end. Go watch it if you can. There's going to be a lot more action and you can get all of those insights here with us every week. So keep listening. There's going to be a lot more where this came from. Thank you so much for joining. It's going to be as breathless as this action. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Catch up next week.